Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Ruck. I'm Alex Lowe, and... I'm joined again on Zoom this week by Stuart Barnes and by Stephen Jones. And the reason we're not together in the studio is that Steve and I have been back from Marseille for about two and a half hours. Um, we had another wonderful French adventure. Uh, the rugby was was great. The occasion was magnificent. The travel, two weeks on from Steve having his wallet stolen and being abandoned on a, on a Rattler train somewhere in the middle of France, uh, we had some more travel chaos to to cope with but it's all part of the fun of the fair isn't it steve fun <laughs> fun you were loving it last night about 1am when we were locked out of the car park at heathrow no that, 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 that oh that was brilliant yeah but oh, the rest yeah, of it no. wasn't very nice it was, that was uh, absolutely tremendous it was it was a bit of a a bit of a test of stamina but but well worth it i think to, to have been down there for absolutely for the, the two finals um both i think with about 110,000 over the two games hmm. both Wonderful um, French occasions, uh, great colour, joy, noise, singing inside and outside the stadium, and, and a, a real contrast to the to, to the chaos up in in Paris. It was it all ran really really smoothly and beautifully in Marseille. Actually, um, Alex, I think Marseille was 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 one of the big of the big winners. It is an absolutely it's a lovely place. It's a stone cold crazy place as well. I mean, it's it's. It's it's people having a great time on the edges of lunacy. I've never seen driving like it. Oh and God. when people are coming down on these sort of motor scooters that you rent on the side of the road at about 200 miles an hour, crashing and, you know, bashing to the ground, it is a crazy place. But um, I think it's, it's a place where... Uh, it's a majestic uh, um, tournament. Um, uh, I'm sorry, it, it's a majestic uh, stadium. And I think that it is a great place for some of the key games in the World Cup. So I think a lot, along with um, um, the teams that won the, their tournaments, I think Marseille was a great winner as well. It really is. And, and, and when you think the next week we're going to boring, next year we're going to boring old Dublin, with respect to Dublin, it's nothing remotely like that as a, as a, as a place to have a final. And that 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 was another lesson that we came away with um, uh, on the weekend. Came we away at one mile an hour on a broken down train. <laughs> we, we, we should let 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 listeners into a couple of the the mishaps that that occurred down in in Marseille. We had we we had a colleague of ours as we left the stadium, literally fell through a manhole cover and nearly broke his leg. Um, the, the same colleague from a, from a rival newspaper who is known to have missed flights home and trains home. Uh, from Six Nations games because he stayed up too late watching the Super Bowl. This time he was filed on the whistle, all done. We walk out the stadium and he nearly disappears on us down into the <laughs> the sewers of Marseille. And you, Steve, filed uh, what I thought was a a, a, a very well-written match report, um, but with no laptop. You did the whole oh. thing over text. 
I, I texted 970 words. It was all I could do uh, because um, I'm not actually an IT wizard. But some people may have noticed this over the years, <laughs> uh, but um, I'm not as bad as people think, but the laptop completely collapsed. And when you ring the office, say, sorry, lads, but my laptop's collapsed. You get a total and utter lack of sympathy. They want it there, any by carrier pigeon or whatever. So this time it was by text. And um, I've got big, large fingers for a little keyboard as well. So anyway, um, I don't think I've been sacked. Uh, I did manage to get it over, but uh, it's all part of the life's rich tapestry. But bloody hell, at the end, you think, God, that was really difficult. Barnes, you commented on it without knowing that how uh, Steve had to file it. It was a pretty heroic effort. Yeah, it was. I, I, I think uh, all the problems Steve had, it tells you something. When it's all um, fine and dandy, uh, I, I can't remember texting Steve and saying what a magnificent report it was. I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I think from now on, Jonesy, you have got to be using those big fat fingers texting your <laughs> telephone. It is the way forward. <laughs> I don't know if people realise that that for like twenty up until about twenty years ago, everything that they ever read in a newspaper was dictated down a phone line to a to a, a bunch of people called copy takers, and um, they they were gradually phased out in the era of um, of of laptops etc. and and Wi-Fi, but um, until recently, Stuart, but also myself, still uh, we still we still employ copy takers because. I just think that you can watch the game in front of you so you can do player ratings and everything. I mean, I, I know it's old fashioned, but um, I do like using copy takers because, um, you know, you, you can carry on watching the game rather than having, having your head down on the, on the laptop. So anyway, didn't that work very well this week because um, the, 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 the Saint Sarah, my copy taker, took a well-deserved week off. But So there we are, but she's never going to be allowed to have a holiday again. <laughs> well, coming up on the right, we'll reflect more on, on the weekend of finals in, in Marseille. Jess Hayden will join us to preview the Allianz Premier 15's final between Exeter Chiefs and Saracens, and we'll be naming our God or Goddess of the Week. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Right, back down to Marseille. Uh, Stuart, you watched it from home. I guess we should we should start with you because... On this pod and, and in print, you were particularly adamant that Leinster were going to win and there was no no chance of La Rochelle overturning this 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 Irish team who were, were, were striding all before them in, in Europe. How did you feel as as La Rochelle mounted that late stand and nicked it at the end? Oh I think by that by that stage I'd realised what a fool I'd been again. Leinster have played wonderful rugby, but I wrote it in the Times today. They have a game plan that is irrelevant to those around them. And rugby can't be like that. So no matter how good you are, if someone puts their spokes in the machine, 
and it goes wrong, suddenly you get this slack-jawed confusion what to do. And I said today, uh, with about 20 minutes to go, I was thinking, why was I so certain? And it took me back to the World Cup final of 2019 when I hadn't thought for two years England had a hope because they only had one way of playing. But that one way of playing was so good against New Zealand, the power of their game and their tactical pressure, that I thought no one can beat them. And they duly lost the next game. And La Rochelle went out and La Rochelle flooded the breakdowns. They got hands and boots to Gibson Park. They slowed it down. Yet Sexton still tried to play this wraparound game. And I watched that and I think, crikey, I've, I've been waxing lyrical about Leinster, but their pattern is the England pattern of 2015, which was a New Zealand pattern in 2013. And it depends upon you always going forward, the defence being at sixes and sevens. And if it doesn't work, you've got to drop deeper at fly half. You've got to put more men into the breakdown. Effectively, plan A has to become plan B and C. And in 2019... I was really disappointed with myself because I forgot that England had been so one-dimensional and I'd written them off for that reason. And then I got carried away because of the quality of one game. And I think it's fair to say that Leinster, playing a completely different style, still had only the one way of playing. And when Ronan O'Gara took an old-fashioned approach and just thought, let's look at what they're doing and just try and mess it up a bit, it all collapsed. And so... um, yeah, uh, like our Prime Minister, I, I am um, humbled and feeling full of humility this morning. Uh, but it was a magnificent uh, effort from La Rochelle. And, and someone said to me, an amazing game plan. What it was, was a coach and his team doing what coaches and players did 30 years ago, thinking, how do we beat this team? You have your own structure, and then you've got to say, and how do we tweak it? And O'Gara just looked at what was in front of him like the firefly half he was, and he came up with a winning plan. Alex, uh, I'm not overdoing praise for our own paper, but I think you two boys got it perfectly today. Why would uh, Ronan O'Gara not be on England's radar? And also be, Stuart, don't worry, if, if, if you hadn't got there first, I would have come up with a with the following intro. My God, did I get this one wrong? It's not as if you're the only one. I, I couldn't see how uh, yeah. La Rochelle could do it. But actually, again, as you say this morning, we've got into this thing where all the statisticians and all the, um, uh, you know, the people who watch it and and, and, and add up everything and time everything, uh, have started making a, a, a huge thing about speed of ruck ball, yeah. which is very important. It's much easier to attack by. But I also think that that is all that... that, that, that uh, um, that Leinster have in the sense that they go faster and faster and faster. When they played Leicester, they were far too good for them. But when you come up with someone, as you say, you say, sorry, boys, we're not going to let you play like that. We're going to throw great big lumps like Antonio and Will Skelton and and Aldrich and, Aldrich and, and these guys. We're going to throw these things at you and um, we're going to slow you down. We're going to lumber in and 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 make your as you again as you said, Stuart. I think um, we're going to make your 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 recycle not two seconds but fifteen seconds, mm. and it can be done. And it was masterly. And I think another glorious thing is we 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 were reminded that rugby can be played in more than one way, and that is the bloody great thing because it used to be able to play it in several ways. Yesterday, 
or on Saturday, La Rochelle played it in a different way, and they did it beautifully. One of the things that fascinated me watching the game unfold was it started with with Leinster um, looking good and La Rochelle conceding a lot of penalties. And at the time, I was thinking, are they conceding these penalties out of out of fear, out of desperation, a bit like it ended up with the way that Toulouse started to do in that semi-final much, much later. But as it unfolded, I began to realise that, that actually this was, they were prepared to concede some of these penalties early on. La Rochelle are the, most, uh, the team that conceded the most penalties in the competition. But in this particular game, they were prepared to do that because it was they were targeting exactly that area. And they were being penalised for it early on, a bit over-eager, I think, as Wayne Barnes put it. But it, it was a... It was, they were laying out their stall early and, and really challenging Leinster in that area. And, and one of the other sort of wonders I had, you know, Tyg Furlong had gone off injured against Toulouse and he started this game having been a doubt. And I, I think he started simply with the, the challenge of doing his best in the scrum because he wasn't, Absolutely, Alex. He wasn't yeah. anywhere close to, to, to being as, as prominent um, in the loose as uh, as we know he can be, and and it, when he's as as effective as he can be as a carrier and a clearer and a and a and a ball player, then that 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 helps Leinster, and they didn't have that. Um, plus, they had they came up against this this brilliantly drilled team where they had, they had some second string players in that La Rochelle team, the scrum half, the the open side, um, who who delivered the game of their lives, and and. It was fascinating for me yesterday, listening to Ron O'Gara, but also reading up on um, on a lot more of his, I guess, of the qualities that he has learned as a coach through stints with Racing and through his his time with the Crusaders. He's um, he's very much changed his his mindset on on players. There was there was a fascinating quote from Lauren Labitte, who under whom he worked at, at Racing, that when he first got there. He didn't really have much time for for those who weren't the first choice players because he'd always been the first choice player and he didn't really know how to communicate with the player who was going to play five or six games in a top 14 season. And that that changed over time. And it changed really when he went to the Crusaders. And I thought we saw a lot of that in the way that that, that La Rochelle played and some of their most effective players, not their biggest names, not the biggest contributors, the Gregory Aldreets and the and Will Skeltons, who was just enormous in every sense, but some of those second stringers and uh, who who delivered the game of their lives on the biggest stage because O'Gara had had infused them with this belief that they were going to go and, and win and they knew what to do. There was a clarity in what they were trying to achieve. And, and I, I, it was just a great demonstration, I thought. Again, it makes you think that you're talking about coaching development. Um, every union has got their own coaching development and they, they put them on the under 18s and they put them on the under 21s and then they are maybe England A and, and, and then they appear to be to see if they're contenders. Well, I, I'd never do that. I'd, I'd, I'd never employ a coach to come all the way up because all, he, all he's ever known is the way one country does it. And, and I, I'd always look for someone like, you know, a Graham Henry fair play who, who was good for Wales for most of the time, who who done other stuff, O'Gara, etc. And, and I think it is typical of O'Gara that he has gone out of the Irish system, which actually could have been as as bad for him as as La Rochelle have been good. And uh, you know, coaches have to be like that, have to be questing, in my opinion, not not just time servers. And uh, and he's got he's got his rich reward. I think one of the, the other things, Stuart, that um, impressed me, those points in the game, as O'Gara said, there were, there were 
plenty of reasons, plenty of moments where they could have jumped ship, i.e. rolled over. They were trailing. The better team on the day were trailing for almost all of that game. And there were moments when they fell 18-10 down. And there was a moment when Thomas uh, Laval was, was yellow carded for that brainless trip on, on Gibson Park. Those are the moments when you thought, this is, this is the time that Leinster have to grab this game. This is the time you thought Leinster would grab the game. But not only did Leinster not grab it, but it was actually La Rochelle in both of those occasions who took charge. And in that last 20 minutes, at the point when Leinster had the opportunity to take the game, it was La Rochelle who responded in adversity. Well, that, that, that was the moment when power swayed the game. Had had it been 50-50 up front, had Leinster had as much meat as um, La Rochelle, I think that would have been the moment when the game would have swayed. But the, the reality is La Rochelle had as much meat and muscle uh, with seven forwards as Leinster had with eight. Mm. And Leinster let's, let's are going to have to address that, as will Ireland before the World Cup. You know, uh, Ryan's a good player, but they tend to pick, athletic stringy second rows and someone like Skelton comes up and he started doing the work of of two men which was extraordinary considering how little rugby he's played in the last few months like I say had La Rochelle been on the back foot had they gone 18-10 down and the tide of the game been turned in the other way then I think it, we may have had an, another La Rochelle defeat but even at 18-10 they were the more dynamic team and I think even with that trip they still were able to say to themselves look he's a second row we could take a second row because this other Australian bloke's big enough to be two on his own they had the power the patience and the organization to be almost monster with muscle like to get that late try at the end and, and the timing of it was so O'Gara because he used to just wait and wait his time. I remember the miracle game against Gloucester when they had to win by 28 points, four tries to go through to the quarterfinals. And, and I think it was about the 79th minute, 48 second when they scored the try. And mm. O'Gara then slotted the conversion just for good measure. But it was almost as if, you know, they scored it and Barnes said, well, there's no time left for a restart. It did feel like the organisation of, of, of Munster with the, the, the muscle of something O'Gara never had at his disposal when he was with his, his, his Irish province. And that's why I think in those last 20 minutes, La Rochelle played their best rugby. What do you think, um, guys, that Andy Farrell will, will make of this? Because as we've, as we've trumpeted for, for weeks, this Leinster team is effectively the Ireland team. Um, Ireland go to New Zealand in the, in the summer. We're just over a year away from a World Cup. Um, what will the Ireland coach have taken out of the way that Leinster were, were beaten? Yeah, it's probably the, be the better technician on that. But I mean, in my opinion, your hero Lancaster um, gets Leinster to play very much in a pacey way, but actually rather one-paced way and, and rather formulaic. I thought against Leicester, they, they, they are a clever side, but still pretty formulaic. And I don't think Andy Farrell goes down that route quite as far oh, I, there, there are similarities there have to be because you know there's 11 or 12 Leinster players I think this in, in, in some ways in a paradoxical way was a very good lesson for Ireland it might have been most of the Irish players who lost to La Rochelle but it wasn't the Irish team it was the yeah. personnel and that's different and, and Steve's right Farrell plays a, a little more aggressive game at the breakdown this Leinster team the Leinster team 
are, are probably a little bit sharper behind a scrum, but that's because they're gambling everything on getting this super fast ball without committing. Ireland commit men. And so sometimes they don't have sort of a wave of full first line, full second line, and it's, you can't do that. And international rugby doesn't lend itself. And Stuart Lancaster and Andy Farrell found that out uh, to their chagrin in 2015. So I, I, I think watching Ireland, yeah, they're, it's mainly the same people, but they are different teams. And I think if there was a temptation for Farrell, Cat and company to think, hey, the Leinster weighs the way. And, you know, that's not knocking them. I, I certainly got carried away with it for a bit because it looks so good. That's been well and truly um, eradicated now. And I think had they tried to play New Zealand at this one and a half second breakdown fast game, they take on the All Blacks at a super fast game. You probably come off second best. Now they reassess. They might have to think we need a little bit more beef in our pack before we go to this World Cup. But they can be broadly island, but just change down the pace of their game. Under Joe Smith, the last World Cup, they played continuity rugby, but it was just keep ball for its own sake, and it was so slow. And they were going to get... It killed them in the end. This lot, Leinster, were playing so fast that it killed them come a European Cup final. So... It's rotten news for Leinster fans, but I think if you're an Irish fan with the World Cup and New Zealand ahead, it might just be, in the end, the best result. Alex, can I just um, go to the, the, the winning team? Uh, I know I've uh, bored people over the years with my absolute affection for town and city clubs um, because I coming from Newport, I at least then I understood what it meant to to be have the local buy-in to the club and they they were your they were your team you know if you live two miles away from Newport they or in the centre they were your team and and I hate and I've always hated the regions La, La Rochelle I mean some of the scenes last night on the clip that you sent me of La Rochelle mm. trying to parade around the city <laughs> but the bus just being completely I mean it was just brought a tear to the eye really that that it could mean so much to them and that is French rugby and and the best of club rugby where the town comes out even if there's got they got no idea what rugby is to celebrate the the the, the triumph of the local of the local team and you know I I've never seen the game there but I would really love to and I feel it's a massive part of our education that, that or my education that I haven't been there and another good thing they did is in, in France they actually put all the the ultras as you might say of, of for all the French clubs over the weekend behind the posts. And you saw you have this great uh, uh, sort of reservoir of noise, passion, whistling, booing, uh, jo joy, um, it, almost like you do at a, at, a, at a big football match. And that was good as well. And I, I just think that um, the, one of the reasons why I loved that La Rochelle game was because deep down, I think that's what club rugby is. I'm not knocking Ireland at all because they've got four handy provinces and they've always been there. And, and there is an affiliation with them, far more than there is to Newport Gwent Dragons, etc. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, I just thought it was sensational. And to see those those scenes last night, it was just just epic. Well, having played for a, a small city team with a population that's not that dissimilar to La Rochelle, 
for a decade at Bath, I can tell you that the great passion of Bath was was our closeness with fans, and yeah. it makes a hell of a difference. The other thing I think we should also mention, uh, Ronan O'Gara after the game was saying only eight years ago, La Rochelle were in pro deux. Uh, we have people in England who want to turn clubs into sort of unchallenged franchises and they want to close opportunity. I have written so many times about what would have happened if the gate had been shut 15 years ago. There wouldn't be an Exeter. What would have happened in France if the gate had been shut eight years ago? There wouldn't be a La Rochelle. I am not prepared to have millionaires tell rugby people which clubs have no potential to grow. They don't know. They never yeah, yeah. will. Most of them don't understand the game well enough. We should get back to working out as hard as we can, based on the French example, the fanaticism of the fans, the potential growth of the teams, that we need to get back to promotion and relegation as soon as we can and stop talking about the corporate reasons why we can't do it. It's a, it's a shield to hide monopolists. There's no, there's no doubt that one of the great strengths of, of the top 14 is the Pro D Deux. You look at the, the teams mm. who, who are now at the top of that competition 15 years ago, Toulon, La Rochelle, as you say, these teams were, uh, I think Racing Metro, these teams were, were in the second tier of French rugby. If you go down, it's a hell of a fight to come back. That's where they have a massive benefit over the structure in England at the moment where the second tier isn't strong enough and is getting further and further away. If in England we could, the money that could be generated through a better TV deal next time round can help help over time boost the championship, then then I think that argument is is absolutely spot on because uh, that, there's no there's no doubt that the foundations of the top fourteen lie in the in the in the league below. It's it's clear that what we need to do. There are too many teams, not enough supporters, not enough quality at the highest level in England. The way to do this is to create um, a second division with about four or five, maybe six of the Premiership clubs in it, and then have four or five of the best and have a league below to develop. They won't do it because they're scared to death of being judged on their performances on the field. But you could do that. You would then have more money, I think, Steve, in the championship, which at the moment I can understand broadcasters don't want to spend money on, on, on games where 250 people are, play, are, are watching. It's no good. At some stage, we've got to say performances on the pitch matter. If you go down, you go down and you have smaller leagues, but they're more competitive. One of the um, one of the, the the real feelings that we had as we left the Stade Velodrome on Saturday night was just over the course of this season. Um, some of our colleagues were fortunate enough to be in Paris when when the French delivered that statement performance against New Zealand in November. We were fortunate to be there again in in the spring when they won the Grand Slam, and now over a weekend in Marseille, the French clubs have conquered Europe as well. An all French Challenge Cup final and 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 La Rochelle winning the winning the, the Champions Cup. Um, it just it, it feels like this French rugby as a whole, from from top all the way down through the through their pyramid, is 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 a is a blossoming, burgeoning, um, exciting place to be at the moment. And and their momentum seems um, unstoppable. It it does, and, and I think a couple of times we said to each other over the weekend when we were chatting having and you guys were having your uh, 
melon flavored um, IPA that um, <laughs> it, 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 what, what a World Mango. Cup is, is going to be. You know, I mean, you, you, we, I, it'll take a little bit of organization, etc., for for people. But um, you know, it's going to be a fabulous World Cup. I, I, some, something in me thinks I know that French are the football world champions. Um, soccer world champions, but I, I, I do think that deep down there's something in the French psyche that actually, if you had to choose between your team being world champion, which team, football or rugby, you choose rugby. There's something deep down there, there that they love and and which appeals to them. The gladi- gladiatorial, the the odd uh, that shall we say um, explosion of of, of ill discipline, etc. etc. It's a crazy world, but it's a magnificent world and. Uh, as I said to um, the Uber driver who took me to uh, one of the few Ubers that turned up on the whole weekend, <laughs> that um, France uh, loves rugby almost as much as anything else in, 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 in its life. And it is a great thing that we in England have the, the French as our rugby neighbours. I think, uh, same, Steve, I, I may have been spectacularly wrong about Leinster for this final um, but I was equally adamant that France were going to win the Grand Slam. So I got that one right. And for two years, I've been saying I, I fancy France for the World Cup. Right now, they should be favourites. And I wouldn't be in the slightest bit surprised, not in the slightest, if they were to win the World Cup next year. Right, me. And just on that point of of town rugby and, and, and this outpouring of love for for the sport in, in France, that the Challenge Cup final on Friday night had over 50,000 at the Stade Velodrome, helped by the fact it was just along the coast from Toulon. But there were just as many Lyon fans there who, who'd made the trip. And as you said earlier, Steve, that the, the colour and the noise um, was was extraordinary for the second-tier Challenge Cup final. And and, and Lyon proved too strong for, for Toulon, who, who never really... I think almost to, to, to repeat your parallel, Stuart, from the World Cup, they they played their final in the semi-final. Yeah, you know, they delivered they delivered yeah. on the day to beat Saracens. This this emotion fueled performance, and then and then just couldn't couldn't back it up in the final. A bit like England, I guess, in 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 nineteen. Um, what did you pick out from from that game, Stuart? It's an amazing thing. Leon have got a small town mentality from their supporters, yet they're France's second city financially. That, that, that sort of backs up what Steve is saying about rugby. And come the World Cup, you know, Paris isn't really, it wasn't a rugby city, but they've now got uh, uh, Stade Francais and they've got Racine. The whole country is, is going to be rooting for them. It's going to make them hard to beat. Um, very briefly from that final, uh, French scrum halves. How many have they got? <laughs> I had Dupont, I'll say this again, has not been at his best since the Grand Slam, but it's almost like a, just a, a, an expected dip. He'll be back. But Serran is a very fine player, his backup. But this lad, Quiu, the scrum half for Leon, had a magnificent match. Yes. Absolutely brilliant. His The speed of his pass and the speed of his brain was second to nothing uh, throughout the whole weekend. And, you know... It, it's it's an incredible position France are in. They've always cherished their number nines, but by God, I don't think they've ever had so many good halfbacks. Yeah, he he was outstanding and and a notable reference too for Joel Kapoku, um, the only Englishman in in uh, in action other than other than the refereeing team um, on Saturday in those finals over the weekend. And 
and boy, he stood up. And for a, a player who was drifting and didn't quite know where he where he fitted into professional rugby, he had the choice of going to to Bath or to Leon. And I think there's no, there's no doubt he's made the right call. Uh, and he was he was enormous as well on on Friday night. So so congratulations to him. Um, and and to French rugby for, for laying on a, a wonderful occasion. Um, coming up now on The Rock, we're going to turn our attention to the Premier 15's final. And then after Jess Hayden has given us her preview, we'll have a, a chat about the final round of the regular season in the Gallagher Premiership and round off with our God or Goddess of the Week. The Premier 15's final is on Friday and just a reminder that this is the first time that the final will not be contested between Saracens and Harlequins. Saracens head to six ways for their fourth consecutive final and will face this season's Allianz Cup holders Exeter Chiefs. For the Chiefs, this is their chance to make their mark at the top of the Premier 15's, having joined the league just two seasons ago. The Rugby World Cup is only five months away and this is the final opportunity for players to impress England head coach Simon Middleton and earn themselves an invitation to this summer's training camps. While Saracens boast some of the more well-known Red Roses, such as Marley Packer, Poppy Clill and Zoe Harrison, they also have players in the ranks who may be just on the outskirts of the World Cup squad, depending on the number of players Middleton can take to New Zealand. One player particularly worth watching is Saracens prop Hannah Bottomen, who is fighting for her place in England's front row. Prop is probably the most competitive position in the England squad, with the likes of Sarah Byrne, Vicky Cornbra, Maud Muir, Shauna Brown, Bryony Cleal and others also fighting for those positions. There will be many international stars on show as well, with names worth remembering ahead of the World Cup. An interesting head-to-head could be between two American centres, Alev Kelter of Saracens and Gabby Cantona of Exeter. Both have been in excellent form this season for their club. Kelter signed for Saracens in January and the centre has been a star player in the league since, winning two Player of the Match awards in her first month in the league. This is not a match to be missed. The final kicks off at 3pm on Friday the 3rd of June and you can watch live on BBC iPlayer, BBC Sport, BT Sport and on Premier15s.com. Thank you to Jess for, for her preview there. Steve, you're, you're well plugged into the women's game. You, you must be excited about this final. It really is the kind of old guard Saracens against one of the, one of the new teams, uh, Exeter, or newish teams. Um, uh, I think they were one of the first, if not the first, of the Premiership teams to think, hang on, we need a women's team as well. And, and they've clearly funded it properly. Susie Appleby as their coach has been has been excellent. And um, we, there's going to be more of this because, you know, you've got the likes of Leicester uh, and uh, Newcastle uh, and, and other teams considering whether to enter the league. And then they're going to have to really work out you know, if, you, if you're going to bring in these big names, it's going to be almost exactly the same league as the, as the men's premiership. But is that what they really want? You know, why not have Loughborough Lightning or other, or other teams in it? So that, that's a difficult one for them, which I'm probably sure they'll get wrong somewhere. But um, I, th- I think Saracens got so much experience. Um, Exeter will do extraordinarily well to, uh, to to beat them. Let's hope it's a good game, and let's hope that you know when you come to a final, let's hope that the occasion doesn't get the better of them because there's two really good rugby teams there. Well worth watching on Friday. Uh, I do fancy Saracens, but there we go. I fancied Leinster as well, and look what happened to them. <laughs> so that's three, three o'clock on Friday. Three o'clock on Saturday, the Gallagher Premiership season 
reaches its uh, regular season reaches its climax. And to just paint the picture, the, the top three are set. It's Leicester, Saracens, Harlequins. Technically, Saracens could could overtake Leicester and finish first, but those two have the have the home semi-finals. Then in fourth, Northampton are on seventy points and they play Newcastle. Gloucester are on sixty-eight points and they play Saracens, and it's to be a shootout between. Northampton and, and Gloucester for, for fourth place. Uh, and down the bottom, in any other season, there would be a humdinger of a, of a conclusion with Bath playing Worcester, the two bottom teams. Loser goes down, almost certainly, although Newcastle are now in the mix. They have the same number of points as, as Bath. We are, we're denied that relegation drama by the fact that no one is going down, as we've discussed earlier on the pod. But up at the top, um, a while back, I think Will Kelleher on this pod put, put us on the spot as to who we thought was going to get fourth. And as we, we played out all the fixtures in the, in the conversation, guys, the, the key contenders all had to play uh, Harlequins and, and Saracens. And it was, we all thought it was likely to come down to the other game. Uh, I, I thought Northampton would edge it. Um, and they are now in the box seat in, in this race for, for the top four. What do you guys think? Can, can Gloucester overturn Saracens and, and nick it? I think I wrote two weeks ago, there's absolutely no chance of Northampton not getting five points against a Newcastle team who have been the worst team in the Premiership in this calendar year. It's inconceivable now that they won't get a bonus point win. I'm going to change my mind and say it's unlikely that Northampton (laughs) don't get it. Um, I've been burned, so I would be quite surprised if Northampton didn't get a bonus point. They're very good, especially against um, weaker teams. Newcastle don't have relegation to fear. They'll they'll try and finish their season well, but, you know, Northampton are a sharp attacking team, and, and if you let them get on the front foot, they're one of the best. So it would surprise me if Northampton were the fourth place team. It's an opportunity at, at Fagnes Gardens on, on Saturday for, for Tom Wood to bid farewell to the Northampton fans. He's uh, announcing his retirement today. Very proud England career, 50 caps, two World Cups, captain them on a, on a summer tour. Just the epitome of a, of a real club man at Northampton. Um, so I wish him well going in, into retirement. And, and I agree, I think Northampton, the way it's set up now to play play Newcastle will, will uh, despite, the, I mean, they've had a, they're in third with 13 wins and 10 defeats, um, which is not which is not an over, sort of overwhelmingly positive season. They've had some ups and downs, but they're, they're hitting their straps. I think uh, I think we'll have I think we'll end up with a Leicester Northampton semi final, which will be brilliant, and a Saracens Harlequins uh, semi final, which will be equally exciting. Uh, you know, London derby and a and a Midlands derby. What do you think, uh, Steve? I, I agree that those would be two good ones. And that, that what a test for Northampton and Chris Boyd, because actually Leicester are not unbeatable. They'd certainly be going in as favourites. But in a, in a one-off game, um, Northampton have weaknesses. They, they, there's a soft softness about them sometimes, but I don't see any reason why if they really play at their best, that shouldn't be, re, should, shouldn't be really close. And we should also remember that it's been slightly... We, we do need two good semis because it's been slightly downbeat of late mainly because, well, A, we still don't really know who qualifies for Europe, and B, at the bottom, you can be any old bunch of saps and lose all your games and still stay in the in the division. So let's look a little bit about, in the general picture, let's look at Premiership Rugby and say, come on then, boys, this has not been the greatest season. What are you going to do next season and the season after? 
to put this up there near the top 14 because that is a genuine goal they should be aiming at. Right. We'll round off this uh, this episode with our God or Goddess of the Week. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's a, a consensus here, but let's start. Uh, Stuart, do you want to go first? Yeah, I think most people are going to think I'm going to say Rodin O'Gara, and I am, because I've had enough of the scientific way to approach rugby. It's been built up into this incredibly complex game. It's not. you got to have your own game plan, and you've got to understand what the team you're playing will do. If you do that and you equip your players to be flexible, then you can beat anyone. And O'Gara showed that the old days in terms of how you approach a game can still be the best days. And he put a gigantic prick into the balloon that is coaching in the 2020s. There was an interesting quote he said afterwards when he said all the data showed us or told us that we would be we were a second half team and that we would finish strongly in the last 20 minutes. But he said, he said, as a coach, you have to engage with data, even though I prefer the human side of it. And I thought he got, he got the human side of it spot on because he had, he had them, he had the players drilled and believing that and understanding what, what to do. And they knew they were going to win. And, and, uh, and I thought he got that balance. Perfect. Um, Steve. I, I hate a uniform approach and I hate it when we all agree. Uh, it's never happened before with us three, but uh, very difficult not not to put... Ronan was the guy who put it all in place. I would certainly have gone to second and third to uh, Ewan, uh, Antonio and Will Skelton. What a right-hand side to the scrum they are. You don't yeah. need a left-hand side with, with those three. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, Ronan O'Gara, um, he and I have had discussions over the years about the fact I didn't rate him very highly in his in his early career. I think we uh, then became um, understood each other. But uh, my God, what 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 a, what a coaching performance! And uh, would already in any uh, is massively in contention for any God of the Season uh, award, as far as I'm concerned. So I think this week we have unanimity. All yeah, I would have to vote for Ogara and and name check all those you mentioned. The one other player I'd name check would, would be would be Raymond Rule for walking out of the La Rochelle changing room on Saturday night with his t-shirt tucked in his shorts pair of sh- uh, shades on pulling a boom box on wheels behind him playing <laughs> loud loud music dance music um, he was clearly he was at the center of the party on the pitch clearly the center of the party in the changing room and I imagine he was leading the the celebrations all night. His, his, his boombox had his kit in it as well. He had a sort of <laughs> boombox that he converted into a kit bag. Disco Hilarious. lights flashing out of the top of it. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. I think that's what you want. That's what you want. He, he, he'd earned it. He deserved the right to go and have a, Absolutely. Have a hell of a few days. As O'Gara said, it would be carnage by the old ported La Rochelle for three or four days and, and well-deserved. Um, it was a joy to watch. Gents, thank you for joining us. This has been The Ruck from the Times and the Sunday Times. Please follow or subscribe from wherever you get your podcast. And this episode was edited and produced by Alfie Reynolds. Hold up. 